Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 61 of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. Uh, this is a fuck this week edition, which basically means I try to make sense of the senseless, try and see what's going on in the news, and uh, uh, yeah, basically sigh and rant at you all. So lucky you, you get to listen to this shit. Um, big news story at the moment, obviously, is this Starmer drama that kicked off yesterday outside the Houses of Parliament, if you've not caught up on this yet, basically, like, the nuts and bolts of it are that Boris Johnson stood at the dispatch box, um, was it a week ago? I think it was about 10 days, maybe two weeks ago at, at the most, stood at the dispatch box in Prime Minister's Questions, and when he was supposed to be uh, uh, exhibiting um, contrition and acknowledging that people would be angry with him as a result of the Sue Gray uh, update, and that this had shown that he had lied in Parliament... Um, and he was supposed to say that he had acknowledged people's sensitivities and that while you, me and, you know, our friends and family uh, were saying goodbye to our loved ones over Zoom and they were dying alone, uh, Johnson's government across the 10 Downing Street complex were holding a series of parties. And so um, he was supposed to act very contrite and uh, uh, and and instead of doing that, then he decided to employ a load of fucking alt-right internet news nonsense um, about Keir Starmer, basically referencing these internet rumours that uh, Keir Starmer had decided to not prosecute Jimmy Savile and let him get away with it when he was Director of Public Prosecutions. So um, in doing so, he appears to have incited a uh, an unruly mob outside the Houses of Parliament who then surrounded Keir Starmer yesterday, surrounded screaming stuff about Savile at him and David Lammy, who is the Shadow Foreign Secretary, um, and they were quickly bundled into a car for their own protection. But it just goes to show the power of fake news, doesn't it? It just goes to show uh, the consequences of saying this fucking nonsense, especially for Boris Johnson, because you can't say that shit outside of the Houses of Parliament, but in the Houses of Parliament, you're protected by something called parliamentary privilege. And so there's very little or few consequences for someone like Boris Johnson uh, saying shit like that at the dispatch box, other than when it erupts into these real world consequences. Uh, and it seemed to be, you know, quite obviously inciting violence. Um, and potentially like a sort of threat to somebody's life outside in the real world. Um, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing about this for me, I think, uh, and I mentioned this this morning on a TikTok, was that like if you cast your mind back four months ago, was it? Six months at the most, when the Labour Parliament, uh, sorry, Labour Party conference was held. And you might recall there was a news story that came out and it was a big thing at the time where Angela Rayner, who is Keir Starmer's number two, uh, she was filmed or recorded, you know, in a sort of after conference uh, gathering or something, giving a speech or, or, you know, standing up and saying a few words. And she referred to the Tories as Tory scum, or rather she referred to some Tories as Tory scum. Uh, and this was in direct response to them voting to get rid of free school meals for underprivileged kids. Uh, and this is the party who right now are slashing 20 quid away from universal credit, which is going to directly affect the most vulnerable people in society. So she said they are scum. You know, when you're when you're giving millions of pounds to your mates over dodgy PPE contracts in WhatsApp groups with donors and stuff, you're funneling money out of the public purse to give to your friends 
but you're letting and advocating for hungry kids to go without food. I'm sorry, but that is scum, right? That was her vibe. Even when she was challenged on it, she was like, you know, do you stand by these words? And she was like, look, if you if that's what you're up to, then yes, that is scummy. I'm sorry. Um, And she wound it back a little bit. She said, you know, I was using street language um, to describe, you know, I'm from a working class background and this is what you call people when they're behaving in such a way. um, But just just use that as an example for a second in terms of the discourse that we're now in. And you consider that Angela Rayner's gripe was rooted in truth, right? The Tories were advocating to get rid of or challenge this sort of free school meals initiative. They were taking food out of hungry children's mouths. That is just a fact. That was what the whole Marcus Rashford thing was about. Uh, So her side of things was rooted in truth. It was inflammatory language, absolutely, but it resulted in absolutely no violence, no incidents or anything. And yet at the time, all of the Tories were just like, oh, well, this is disgusting language. This is not this is not um, a kinder, gentler politics. This is uh, this is inflammatory and we need to return to a polite political. You know, at the time, it actually seemed incredibly funny to me because it was like they were treating this word scum as though that was the lowest of the low. Oh, bloody Angela Rayner. Oh, She's using the word scum. Well, that is just terrible. That is disgraceful behaviour. Anyway, I'm going to wander over here and take this food out of this hungry child. That is disgraceful, Evangela Reina. But no, 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 let's take this food away. Let's cut away another 20 quid from Universal Credit for these incredibly poor, impoverished, very hungry people. But no, you are the lowest of the low for using a word that I don't like. You know, there's a sort of real dark comedic layer to that. Um, But just focus for a second as I'm... You know, as I'm talking, I know I'm going off on tangents, but just focus for a second on Angela Rayner using the word scum to describe Tory behaviour that is rooted in fact, in reality, and resulted in no incidents taking place. Now compare that to Boris Johnson's inflammatory language rooted in fantasy, in lies, falsehoods, and that resulted in an actual violent incident where two members of the shadow cabinet had to be bundled into a police car and driven away and yet the 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 boris johnson one the tory mps are already on the news rounds this morning saying oh i don't see a connection between what boris johnson said and the incident that took place yesterday like are you on crack are you fucking out of your mind he literally stood at the dispatch box lied said this fucking internet rumor about keir starmer refusing to prosecute uh, Jimmy Savile, he said that at the dispatch box. It is demonstrable nonsense, and that's what this unruly mob, this fucking brood of bellendry surrounding Starmer and David Lammy yesterday, that's what they were screaming at him, was that he was a paedophile protector, that he loved Jimmy Savile, that he let him off the hook, and, you know, this is the shit. They've taken it from Boris Johnson, they've taken the baton from Johnson, and then run towards Starmer and Lammy, screaming the same shit and these ministers are like, I don't see any connection. I don't. <laughs> you know, it's just, it beggars belief. But it's like, people fucking gobble this shit up, don't they? There's no, yeah, there's no connection to it. Don't, don't see any connection there whatsoever. Well, then why are you even saying that there's no connection to it? If there's no connection. Why do you have to acknowledge that there, that it's being asserted that there might be a connection? Do you know what I mean? It's, I don't know. I despair. I really do. Another angle that's that's coming around uh, this morning 
um, was I, I saw Carol Codwalla put out a tweet saying that online uh, online abuse doesn't stay online. That was word for word what she said. Online abuse does not stay online. And I agree with that. I think that's that's true. It starts online and it can easily catch fire and uh, and it can get a following and then it erupts into real world consequences. And uh, and I saw a few MPs saying similar stuff, saying like, um, you know, fake news is something that we really need to get a hold of. You know, it's getting out of hand. We need to get a hold, get a grip of fake news because it erupts into real world problems like the incident that we saw yesterday. And I agree with that. I really do. But here's the wild thing about it is like this is just the opening chapters of this shit. This is like when when you take that sort of line, when you say, oh, fake news is getting out of hand. We need to sort. It's almost like there's an implicit suggestion there that this is just fake news, that it is just how it is. And we can fix this in some way. You know, we could rein in the newspapers from printing stuff that isn't accurately sourced or we could grade newspapers in terms of how accurate their news stories have had to have been over the last year. Or we could, you know, we give them a percentage rating. This newspaper is 97 percent biased information. So just beware before you go jumping into this, what is essentially a fucking far right comic book. You know, like you could grade newspapers, you could manage fake news in the traditional or legacy media sense. Um, but that all of that assumes that fake news will just live and die in printed format. And unfortunately, as a guy who works in tech, I've been saying this for a couple of years now, deep fakes are going to fuck your game right up. Like it's all very well and good at this moment right now to say it's a real problem having fake news when it's just like an article here or an article there. And look, we've all got weird uncles and friends and ex-colleagues who shared shit to Facebook. And it's just like a headline, isn't it? It's just like Starmer linked to far left, blah, 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 anti-Jewish sentiment, you know, and you read it and then you, you reply back to your uncle. And you're just like, where the fuck did you read this? You know, that that domain is registered in North Korea. You fucking idiot. Like, why are you reading The Express? Why are you polluting your brain with this shit? You know, we've all got friends who share headlines and articles or paragraphs or they just... They parrot the stuff that they read in the STEM newspapers, right? That to us is fake news right here, right now. But coming down the line is going to be video footage, audio footage of like Keir Starmer uh, admitting, like caught on tape, Keir Starmer admits it is all part of the Great Reset. Now, for you and me, right, for people like us who we sort of we question things, and if we saw something that was so salacious and so like outrageous that it was like, you know, Keir Starmer caught on tape admits great reset. We might look at that two or three times and go like, this can't be real. You know, we might question it. Um, but how many fucking <laughs> how many people do you know that actually question the shit they read? It's, it's probably the minority, isn't it? You know, we all know people, multiple people circles, plural, like circles of friends who would gobble up this shit. They wouldn't ask where it's come from. 
they wouldn't say, well, well can I <laughs> can I really trust this reporting from this newspaper that I read every single fucking day? They never would. Most people don't even read one newspaper. They just walk up to the garage. They buy their cigarettes and beer and milk or coffee or, you know, whatever. And they just scan across the headlines. And if the headline says Angela Rayner connected to paedophile ring, they'll fucking believe it. And then if it's really salacious, they might go on Facebook and then watch the video of seemingly, in quotes, Angela Rayner admitting, like, that she's part of this paedophile. You know, like, it'll be like the Hillary Clinton Pizzagate shit, but it'll be on video. And you can hear it and you can see the person saying it. And then it won't matter, like, if you or me or a journalist or Facebook or whoever say to your friend or your Uncle Ron or this guy over here... That's not real. It's not real. It's a deep fake, you fucking idiot. It's been thrown together by software engineers in Moscow. Like, it won't matter if we say that shit to them and beg them to believe us. What they will say is, no, I, I've seen it with my own eyes. I know it's real. I, I've always hated him. And now I've got a good reason to, you know, like they'll just they'll just gobble it up. Like that shit is coming. I, I wrote a, um, a blog on this about two years ago saying deep fakes are about to fuck everything. Um, and I, the example I was using in the, in the article was, um, uh, Joe Biden. I said, you know, at the moment it's just fake news. Like, you know, it's, it's in its current form, it's just an article. It's just a word or a headline. And it's something that you don't agree with and you, you know, it's false and everything, but your friend and your family, they all believe it. And that's shit, but that's where we're at. But coming down the line is this horrible new world that we're going to be propelled into uh, with deep fakes, where um, people will think that this video of Joe Biden, the example in the blog, was Joe Biden will be uh, caught on footage masturbating while someone burns an American flag. Uh, and then, you know, something I can't remember the rest of the example now, but... Um, but the, the example in the blog was basically like people will question their even their their understanding of what the truth is. Right. Just focus on that for a second. Like people will people who want to believe that Joe Biden is evil will believe that tape because out of confirmation bias, they already thought he was evil and shit and bad for America. Well, now they've got a video there showing that he's burning this flag and that will, they won't want to believe that it's false, that it had been, uh, that it had been uh, created, constructed by software engineers in a foreign country. Um, so there's that. Then there'll be this whole other chunk of people who won't want to believe that they could have possibly been fooled. That's another whole chunk of people who are so drunk on ego and can't possibly back down because they would have shared the video five times themselves. And so for them to then admit that they could have been had, like it takes quite a bit of character, I think, to hold your hands up and go, all right, fuck. Yeah, I might have got that wrong. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. They had me. I believed it. And, you know, to admit that you were wrong in front of all of your Facebook friends and Twitter following and Instagram people when you might have, you know, by that point, you've thought up your clever hot take on it and and you've used it as a way of supporting your already cemented hatred of Joe Biden. It would take a strong character or, or a strong chunk of the population to then go, oh, fuck, it wasn't real. Oh, yeah, OK, I might have been wrong about that. That is a whole chunk of people who out of confirmation bias will believe it. And then another chunk of people who out of ego could not possibly ever admit that they'd been had or tricked. Um, and then you'll have people like me 
who broadly support Biden or a Democratic administration over a Republican or conservative one uh, who will look at that video and then go, yeah, I think that's fake. But how do I know that it's fake? You know, you would question your understanding of what the truth is. Because if somebody can be presented to you saying a certain thing, behaving a certain way, how would you know what the truth is when it's so indistinguishable, which is where it's heading? It's so scary. It's also like if if something comes up that let's say, right, I'm a I, I say a fan, right? I'm a big Emily Thornberry fan. If if that is even a sane thing to have, to be a fan of a politician is a bit weird, I know. But I really like Emily Thornberry's vibe. I never make any secret of this. She's my favourite MP in terms of like Labour, her humour, her way of responding to things, how uh, effective she is in putting her case across about stuff. Now, I, I feel like I like Emily Thornberry as a personality in uh, in in British politics. Right now. In the advent of deep fakes with video and audio, if something comes out that is not flattering to Emily Thornberry, let's say some video comes out, some audio comes out where she uh, lambasts black people. She uh, taps into various tropes. She uses derogatory terms. I might be tempted as a person who has aligned himself with some of her core values. I might be tempted to dismiss it. And say, ah, it's probably just a deep fake. Because my understanding of what the truth is and could be has been completely warped by the advent of these new deep fake audio and video clips. Um, so this is the thing, man. Like when, when you see tweets like Carol Codwaller, uh, Carol Codwaller's, sorry, this morning saying online abuse doesn't stay online. Um, it's like, yeah, it it doesn't. And it erupts into incidents like we saw yesterday. And and then you see other tweets that say we have to get a grip on this fake news thing. It's like, yes, we do. But you motherfuckers don't even understand where we're at right now. You think that we're that this is the end game or like this is the closing chapters. We just have to fix fake news online and then that'll be it. It'll be so- No, we're not. <laughs> we're not even halfway in yet. This is going to get so much worse. I mean, I hope that I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. I think as a guy who works in tech and who's obsessed by tech and politics, I think I'm broadly in safe territory in, in predicting this. Um, but anyway, back to back to the attack yesterday. Uh, I say attack. I mean, they I don't believe that they were hit at this stage. I don't think there's any evidence or footage showing that they were hit or assaulted. Just just sort of intimidation and shouting and screaming. Um, but if the police hadn't have bundled them into the car, then who knows what might have happened. Uh, they seemed very angry at them. Um, so it's anyone's guess what, like, what could have happened. Uh, you know what's wild, though, is with... I mean, this really is quite weird, right? With Piers Corbyn. So Piers Corbyn is Jeremy Corbyn's brother. And he's sort of attained a level of infamy by being at the forefront of the anti-vax movement. Uh, he's been giving speeches. He appears at um, on stages to to tell people to defy and to uh, resist and do not comply and all this other shit. In his mind, this is all part of a sort of authoritarian push for the state to inject people and control them and God knows what else. Uh, like I say, in his mind, that is <laughs> that's what's going on. Uh, 
and he's he was he was uh, arrested and cautioned, I believe, um, must have been a couple of months ago for appearing at something or other and inciting violence uh, off the back of this. This is as insofar as he's concerned, this is his cause. He I always call them bargain bin bravehearts because in their mind, they are freedom fighters. They're pushing back against the state. Um, they don't want to be oppressed. They don't want to be controlled by jabs or, or anything else. Um, and, and so he appears at these conferences or uh protests or whatever as the face of the and then there was footage of him like putting stickers up around the underground the guy's a fucking lunatic um and he hangs around outside parliament square giving these these speeches and and now yesterday he did a speech about resist and do not comply and all that stuff and then the people who were as i understand it at his speech and protest uh, then saw Starmer and David Lammy and then surrounded them and, and stuff so there's an element of Pierce Corbin to this and I like wildly this morning it just occurred to me I was like how weird would it be if Piers Corbyn's brand of brood of Bellandry uh surrounded these guys again and then they were jailed and their group of like anti-vax people were seen to be a terror cell which let's be real if you're hanging around outside parliament and you start to accost or assault or threaten politicians you kind of are in that terrorism territory. Now, like, I don't want to I don't want to brand falsely brand people as terrorists and like enemies of the state because it's not really my vibe. But if you like, I could see it happening. I could see other people branding them as terrorists. You know, like when you say terrorist, you think of like, you know, a guy in a balaclava tossing a bin in uh, a bomb into a bin in Brighton or like hijacking a plane or some shit. Uh, you don't necessarily think aging Piers Corbyn in his fucking anorak on a stage talking pumph to a load of people. But I think if you hang around outside Parliament and you're threatening politicians and they're having to be bundled into police cars, you're not too far off that fucking neighbourhood, are you? And I think if he if his group was was certified as a terror cell and he was jailed, we could actually find ourselves in a situation where you've got both Corbyn brothers on the left and the alt-right because... Like I, I'm sure Piers Corbyn would take issue with being uh, categorised as right wing. But people I know who have got into the anti-vax movement are 100 percent of them are in the alt-right sphere. So I don't think it's outrageous to suggest that if he were jailed, then you would have the Jeremy Corbyn fans on the far left and you would have the Piers Corbyn fans on the alt-right. You can have both Corbyns as oppressed martyrs. How fucking weird is that? That in 2022, Britain, we could be, in a, in a matter of weeks, the Corbyn brothers on the far left and alt-right, both oppressed martyrs. That's wild, isn't it? But, um, I don't know. D division and, and tribalism aside, like, if you ever need any steer on which side is harmless and which side is harmful, then these conspiracies really sort of they they uh they get to the crux of it for me um because like left-wing conspiracies are shit like who killed jfk you know it's like aliens abducted me and probed my colon and it wasn't 100 percent nice it was you know it was all right but it wasn't 100 percent pleasant 
Um, or like uh, Tupac is still alive and he lives in Cuba. So that's a left wing conspiracy. Right wing conspiracies are <laughs> fucking storm the Capitol building, officers dead, MPs murdered by some Britain first lunatic who genuinely thinks the EU are oppressing us because Boris Johnson's on the front of the Telegraph saying shit like let my people go and the mail are on about saboteurs and enemies of the people and you know then Starmer's surrounded by people who genuinely believe all the Savile nonsense. Like this is this is why I think. I broadly fall down the left side of the political landscape because the politics, however annoying you find them, are always broadly coming from a place of good, in inverted commas. You know, it's coming from a good place, a place of concern where you want everyone to have a fair shot. You want everyone to have health care. You want women who are in a desperate situation to have the right to an abortion. They're, they're protesting because they're scared of the climate crisis and what it might mean for the planet and the rest of us. They're pillorying the sun and the express because we're concerned that they're putting out nonsense and it's incorrectly arming idiots with more idiocy and lies and so on and so on. Like it's coming from a good place. Right wing politics always seems to come from a mean spirited or fearful or cruel place. You know, it's like, no, no more handouts for impoverished people. You know, it's like it's coming. It's not coming from a good place. It's, it's like, I don't want any more foreign looking people coming across the channel because I don't like how they look <laughs> or, or their customs. You know, it's like it's never coming from a good place. I suppose if you really dug underneath the scab of it to see what was flowing through underneath, you could make a case like I don't want my town to lose its character. And I used to live in a in a town and loads of Polish people moved in. And then all like my friend's shop turned into a Polish shop. And, you know, then half the kids starting in the school were all Polish. And I don't know, they couldn't speak English properly. And it slowed down the clock. Like you could make cases for some of these things. But your cases should be made to improving language services for Polish people. Or your, your case should be made that um, the character of the town should be preserved and uh, you know, with planning laws or, or, or something like why does it always flip to the base level xenophobia? That's what because that's not coming from a good place. Then that's fear and cruelty, you know. But um, but yeah, let's let's get back on track with this uh, this Starmer thing yesterday. So some of the reactions this morning that I saw were were quite eye opening. Um, Dan Hodges is a writer at the Daily Mail. Uh, and uh, he publishes a, a new blog. I think I think every Sunday he publishes a blog uh, and puts it on Twitter. Uh, and he said this morning, bear in mind, so Dan Hodges, Daily Mail, right? So quite a right-wing paper. And he's going in on the attack on Boris Johnson, and, and he has done. To be fair to him, you know, he gets, he gets a lot of shit, Dan Hodges, quite a lot of it from me, because I always feel like... He takes the he takes something that's obviously wrong with the Tories. And then he says, like, but what does this say about Labour? You know, like he's there's a, there's a real snark to him where he tries to flip shit around and blame it, like put the blame at Labour's door. I've noticed. But to be fair to him, he has gone in on Boris Johnson a few times in recent memory. And he said this morning off the back of this this Starmer drama yesterday. He said the root cause of this comes from Johnson's flapping around, basically trying to defend the indefensible. That's where the root cause of this comes from. And now it's erupting and it's erupting again. You know, like they tried to defend it. He, he felt f like flappy and flustered in PMQs. Uh, 
And then he he defaulted. He flipped back to this nonsense about Starmer and Savile. And now he can't uh, he can't apologize for it because to apologize for that would remove it from the equation. And then we're back to Partygate defending the indefensible. And I think like I mean, I agree with that. I'm not sure I agree that it's the root cause, though. I I think the root cause of all of this is Boris Johnson's uh, terminal short termism, for want of a better word. Um, sometimes sometimes I call it his secondary thinking. Uh, and I don't mean secondary thinking as in, you know, he's thinking primarily about this and then secondarily about that. I mean, his inability to look further ahead than like 72 hours. There's no consideration for the implications or repercussions of what he's saying or doing. It's just what the problem is right this second, right? <laughs> Secondary thinking. Right in this second, I'll just do this. It's instinctive, reactionary. It's like, oh, cool, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say and do this. And his advisors are probably like, well, wouldn't that horrifically fuck us in four weeks? And he's like, why are you changing the subject? We're not talking about four weeks. We're talking about right now. And right now, this fixes it right this second. So go fuck yourself. You know, it's like secondary thinking, short termism. Like Partygate should have been resolved up front, honest. Like, yes, there were gatherings. I am deeply sorry for my lack of leadership and insensitivity. Instead, he lied because that was the easiest thing to do to get him out of shit that second. Secondary thinking. And then the lie blew up. So it was, what's the easiest thing to do right this second as the lie blows up? Kick it into the long grass in an internal inquiry. It could take forever and then people will forget about it. And, and then that blew up in his face. More secondary thinking. So what's the easiest thing to do to fix it this second? Get the Met, Met to step in and stall it. And then when that blew up, and everyone was talking about Cressida Dick's resignation. Like, we, we need to get rid of her. She's shit. Oh, they're releasing a short version of the report that shows that you were lying. Well, what, what can I do to move the dial and shake this sort of veritable tree of batshit bellendry? Like sh shake a few more juicy apples of nonsense out of the tree, you know, to distract from my obvious ministerial code breaking lies. Oh, another lie. More secondary thinking. I'll just do this right this second. This will distort and divert attention again. The Savile line. I'll spout out the Savile line, even though it's demonstrable nonsense. Right in this second, right now, this will fix the problem. Ooh, won't it come back to bite you in the arse in a few days? Oh, don't worry about that. Don't change the subject. And now when the repercussions of that lie have blown up in his face, we're just going to see more of the same shit again and again. This short-termist, in-the-moment thinking. More dead cats from the big dog. Endless, isn't it? This week's PMQs will just be Boris Johnson at the dispatch box. Like, yeah, I, I read on Reddit that he wasn't properly isolating uh, because he was burning ballot papers and moving the dead body of Jimmy Hoffa, Mr. Speaker. You know, like it's just going to get more outrageous, more moving the dial, more lies, more, you know, more in the moment, short termist, secondary thinking. Someone will call him a liar off the but He'll be like... Yeah, he was moving the dead body of Jimmy Hoffa. Someone will go, uh, that is a lie. He's just like, and then the speaker will go, right, that's it, get out. Escorted out of the chamber for calling the prime minister a liar. Escorted outside parliament and fed to rabid, unmedicated anti-vaxxers. That's where we're heading. <laughs> it's fucking outrageous. How is this real life? And here's the wild thing, right? You recall last week, a bunch of people resigned and then they tried to sort of 
market it back to us as though uh, this was the big shakeup. This was Boris Johnson, you know, uh, ejecting loads of uh, loads of people off the back of Partygate. Oh, just give me a chance to fix it, guys. That was the thing. And now loads of people resigned, and he's like, "This is me fixing it, getting rid of people." Yeah, okay, mate. <laughs> sure. So this is the new chief of staff and new chief of communications, his spin doctor. This is them advising him that, like, as of this morning when they were like, so are you going to apologise for the Savile remark? Because it resulted in the incident yesterday. And their advice to him is to say he has no no plans to apologise over the remark or the subsequent attack. Uh, he's got other things to be getting on with today. That's the fucking line. Is That's the thing that... Um, Dan Hodges was re- like, quote, replying to. He was like, what the, <laughs> how is this, how is this the government's line on this? This is not going to work to just basically say, you know, like somebody says to you, uh, are you going to apologise for this awful thing that's happened and the subsequent events that it spawned? Uh, no, I'm really busy, actually. Too busy for that fucking bullshit. Like that's, that, that is the fucking, the, the nuts and bolts of this. Um, and you know what? It's not even that surprising because if you have to barrel scrape for someone to take what is essentially a two to four week temp job. Like, <laughs> that's what it is. It's like these people resigned. These are long term, long serving Boris Johnson allies who handed in their shit last week, just went, fuck this. And Boris Johnson could be out of a job in like two weeks or a month or two months. So these people are signing up for a job that they know could be incredibly temporary. Like, who is available and desperate enough to take this fucking job? <laughs> It's why I want to know. It's like, how do you find somebody that's willing to... Like, do you want to be Boris Johnson's chief of comms? Fucking no. <laughs> what, for, for how long? A fortnight? Oh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just resign from the spectator for that. Great move. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to... That will look amazing on my LinkedIn. And now whoever, like, this sad sack of shit is, they've got doing it. His first two days on the job, and the best he can do is say, yeah, just tell him you've got no intention of apologising and you're busy with other things today. You know, like... I. <laughs> Are you, what are you on? What are these people on? And whatever it is that you're on, can I have some? I just need something to help me make sense. Make all of this make sense to me. Because I think when you've got Dan Hodges in the mail and like Ian Dale is another conservative commentator. He's on LBC a lot and GM, GMTV. Good morning. Whatever that fucking show is called now. I think when you've got Ian Dale... And Dan Hodges on TV, both telling you that you're eating crayons if you think this is a good route out of this. Like <laughs> most, this most recent of scandals. I think, I don't know, I think both former Boris cheerleaders and now they're both like, this is fucking mental. When you've got those two saying, are you sure that's the line that you want to take? Maybe then you need to look at yourself like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> you know, Ian Dale and Dan Hodges both bashing a Tory government. That's like fucking, that's like, my mates in Maidenhead back in the day, my mates and me would get up to some unruly behaviour. I'm just going to put this out there now, okay? There's probably video, there's probably audio and freestyle raps on tape about it all. Uh, but back in the day, like, drugs, booze, getting rowdy, people getting kicked out of pubs. I remember my mate Chuck went through a period of such unruly behaviour <laughs> down centre pubs and you know, tipping tables over for the fuck of it. And like, we were we were genuinely concerned at one point that he might end up on Pub Watch in Maidenhead, which is basically where your picture is circulated throughout all the town centre pubs and you can't get served anywhere. If you're on Pub Watch, you're fucked. 
You're on pub watch and your mates go, you coming into town tonight? You'd just be like, no, can't, because literally nowhere will serve me anything other than a lemonade. <laughs> you know? So we were concerned he was going to end up on pub watch because he was so unruly. And this is kind of like that. It's like, you know, as, like as wasted as we all got and as rowdy and rude and unpleasant as we all could be, occasionally there would be a moment where we would all go, uh, hang on, Chuck, that is, that's too far, buddy. That is, you need to pull your trousers up right now. No, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> you know? It's like that. It's like when you've got Ian Dale and Dan Hodges both saying, yeah, this is, uh, I think this is a bit fucked, actually. You know, I, it's, it's a bit like that. You know who, who hasn't, I don't think, at time of press right now, not that this is pressed, but I don't think as of right now, Nadine Dorries has come out supporting him. But it can't be long, man. Can't be long. She support that is some serious, like, loyalty right there. I think in the last six months, she said something fucking moronic roughly every two days, which is quite a solid, impressive hit rate, I think to say something so mindless and witless every two days and every time you go a bit lower, <laughs> you know, for people to still be wowed by how moronic you can be every two days is quite something. Um, she had a good two weeks around Christmas, though, I seem to remember. But, you know, even like before that was just a sea of ignorance about Channel 4 and spouting demonstrable lies in the select committee and pretending fact-based scrutiny was misogyny and you know these days we've graduate graduated to like a half-pissed vox pop you know with channel 4 news and swaying around on it and then skype interviews with the bbc where she comes off like this sort of cool aid colster drunk on boris johnson who can do no wrong by the way and if a question alludes to boris johnson's error she reprimands the interviewer like why where does the loyalty start and stop what would he have to do to to rid himself of nadine doris <laughs> but we all saw the photo from pmqs last week where she looks up gazing like adoringly at him while he's speaking and like i know that look we all know that look that is the look of a woman who has banged that man recently They've either just started banging recently or or she hopes that they will be banging soon. There is that is a look of adulation there. So it's either that it's either sexual loyalty, right, in that vein, or it's calculative. It could be calculative and it's all a bit of a performance, you know, like Dory's nose knows that in a scenario that isn't. Boris Johnson, desperate for cabinet ministers who are either stupid enough to believe Brexit is sunlit uplands and opportunity and all that, or they're vacuous and careerist enough that they're willing to sell their souls in some sort of Faustian pact of fraudulent fuckery. Like in that scenario, he needs people like Dorries. But in a scenario where he's ejected from power and Brexit becomes a thing of the past and that desperation for someone like Dorries vanishes then someone like her would never get within a sniff of a ministerial post. She's too stupid. You know, she flaps, she flusters, she can't, she can't think on her feet. She's... So I think she knows that if he goes, then it's game over. And so by being loyal to him, she's positioning herself for some sort of like post-cabinet, but still Boris kind of role. Do you know what I mean? Like in his new post-Downing Street career, She'll 
she'll be, you know, taken. Oh, you were always really loyal to me, Nadine. So, yes, you come over. You know, the only problem with that is that it's likely to be at somewhere fucking shit like GB News, who already have their own PAs. So she, she you're not going to get hired there. Or, or like the Telegraph. But I don't think the Telegraph have an opening for a brimming barrel of boiled dog piss right now. I just I don't think that's what they're looking for. Um. But yeah, I don't know. It can't be can't be too long before she comes out saying like, oh, I don't see any connection between uh, what the PM said and yesterday's incident because she is fucking nailed. Her flag is nailed to that mast. Nothing is shaking that. Um, but I get real like, um, do you remember at the end of Ghostbusters? Is it Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 2? I think it's Ghostbusters 2 where Vigo the Carpathian, I think that's his name. If that is his name... I've remembered that fucking sterlingly. Vigo the Carpathian. Um, and they, do you remember, like, they're in the gallery and they're like, uh, you know, they're using their photon rays and they're shooting and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, he goes back into the painting and and then that weird guy, can't remember his name, Janosch? Is that his name? Fucking hell, I'm nailing, nailing the Ghostbusters two names here. Uh, and Janosch sort of like wakes up and he says, he says something like, oh, you are like the, you're like the buzzing of flies to him. Like, and he, he turns around, and then this painting is just fucked, you know. And then Peter Venkman says, oh, Johnny, did you back the wrong horse? You know, like it's it's this sort of like this unfailing loyalty and love of the bad guy, Vigo, the Carpathian or Boris Johnson. And Nadine Doris is very much that Janosch guy, you know, like rooting for him, standing there, supporting him. And then it's, you know, but we're we're basically at that painting scene now. Where she's like, ah, oh, you're like the buzzing of flies to Mr. Johnson, who is magnificent. And I will never hear a word again. <laughs> and then, like the whole of Fleet Street, all of Twitter, everyone is basically going, yeah, just, oh, this is almost tragic to watch. And this is like, did you bat the wrong horse, Nadine? You need to just sit down. Come back, get back on I'm a Celebrity or something, you know, get back to what you're good at, which is like eating fucking rat assholes or, or like whatever whatever the challenge was that made you famous then just I, I think go back and do that you were good at that um anyway listen guys this has been lots of fun um if you would like to support the podcast please do jump onto patreon it's where i post all of the episodes first um and there will be a new episode this coming friday night in which i will interview someone and we'll be putting the world to rights last week was john left of the countryside that's still up on youtube and uh, all of the other platforms i will be on twitter at aid thompson uh the podcast also has its own twitter account which is at oh shut up aid and uh and yeah um i'll catch up with you all soon all right ciao for now bye <laughs>